Hi, everyone. <laughs> Today's scripture reading is from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the, ones, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Abby, too. Thanks, Abby. Uh, So here we are, second week of Lent, everybody. Everybody making it? Barely? Okay, I'm going to leave that there. Lent is the journey where we return to God with all of our hearts, and typically we find ourselves humbled in the turning. Lent is the season where maybe we find that we've run out of our own resources, and we need to be led by God into a kind of wilderness that we wouldn't have uh, otherwise chosen in order to, so that we can return to God. It's the season where we sometimes say no to certain things in our lives so that we can say yes to better things. And they're not even necessarily bad things that we're saying no to. Sometimes they are. They're just not satisfying. We notice that we've gorged ourselves on things that haven't satisfied us. And so we turn to God, and then God leads us into surprising places. So uh, we learned last week from Dan that sometimes we are led into the wilderness. And so last week, we looked at Jesus. This week, we're going back in time all the way to Abram, or Abram, maybe, as you might pronounce it. And this is found in Genesis 12, so in like the story of God, if it starts with creation, where human beings are created as good, amen, that's how the story starts. Can I get an amen with, we are created good in the beginning, and then there is the fall. That might be called chapter two. And then chapter three might be called Israel, the people of God, sent out from God to bless the world and be the people of God. That might be chapter three. And then chapter four might be Jesus, the true Israelite who actually fulfilled the mission of the Israelites when no one else could. Can I get an amen on that one? And then the church might be called chapter five. And so that's kind of the story uh, in 30 seconds. And where we are in the story in this text is in between chapter two, the fall, and chapter three, Israel. Israel hasn't been formed yet. And so um, in Genesis 12, we are introduced to this person named Abram, and we know almost nothing of his past. We know almost nothing about his personal life. He's not successful in any discernible way. In fact, in those times, he would be considered unsuccessful at the thing that really matters, which is having children. And of course, his wife would be blamed for that one. Uh, back in the day, and he is an anti-hero, he might be called. He's a nobody. If this were a movie, we'd turn it off. We'd be unimpressed with this main character. Abram is 75 years old when God meets him in Genesis 12, and God invites him to go somewhere else. And Abram knows almost nothing, maybe nothing at all, about the God that is calling him to go. Do you understand that? When he is called by God to leave, 
He knows almost nothing, maybe nothing at all about the God that's calling him to go. And so remember in the movie Speed, about 23 years ago with Sandra Bullock? That was a great transition, wasn't it? From Abram to Speed. Remember how the movie started? Of course you don't. I do because I looked it up. It started with just a bus moving. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're driving in the bus all of a sudden. There's no, like, you know, calm uh, focus on some sprinklers. They're going in the suburbs and then going up to this door. Then, oh, we get to know a family. It's just, boom, bus. We're heading, in, and that's how the story of Abram starts. 75 years old. We are moving, we're going. Not sure if that transition worked or not, but I'm just gonna take your smiles as if you are gracious to the preacher. Thank you for that. In Genesis 11, the thing that comes right before Genesis 12, we read about the Tower of Babel. And so there's, there's Noah who gets saved, you know, he, he and his family get saved from the flood by God, and then there's Noah's descendants, and then there's this group of people, apparently, that all speak the same language, and, and there's this great, in Genesis 11, 4, this, they say, and I'm sort of imagining them in, in like, this isn't true, I'm, I'm sure, but, but to me, it sounds like caveman-like voices, let's make bricks out of mud and bake them, let's <laughs> Let's build a city. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, I'm over too. Um, stay with me. So uh, let's, let's build a tower. And it's so interesting that this story gets included in the scriptures. It's really the biggest pivot point because they build a, they build a tower, if any of you remember, why did they build a tower? So that we could reach God and heaven, yes, and thank you, Steph Spencer, Hebrew scholar and resident 40 Orchards director. 5,000 tour points for you. It's interesting that and so God goes, oh, awesome. They're building a tower. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make their languages totally different so they can't communicate with each other so that essentially the tower is destroyed without the tower being destroyed. And so they're scattered. And so when we pick it up in Genesis 12, remember that the greatest desire of human beings at that point was to make a name for themselves. And when we get into Genesis 12, we meet who? Who? Remember who Abram is. He's 75 years old. He has no kids. We know almost nothing about his past. He's not successful in any way. Here's a no name. No name. Now he's a name. Sorry, that was too loud. <laughs> now he's a name. Back then, he was nobody. And it's fascinating to me that he's the father of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and now he's a name, but back when it was all beginning, he was nobody. And that's who God chooses to say, go forth. So let's remember that. So lech lecha, everybody say lech lecha. 
Okay. Uh, lech lecha, Hebrew phrase that's translated as go forth. Lech means go, and lecha means for you or to you. So it literally means go for you, go to you. And so that's sort of interesting. Rashi, the medieval commentator, uh, the Jewish uh, commentator says, essentially God is saying go. Go, because I'm sending you, but go for your own joy, your own adventure, your own fulfillment, your own happiness, your own joy. And you can almost like see God's face, kind of like a rascally, you know, go. But we don't really get the joke because he's being told to leave everything. So let's do an all play, our first all play question. Everybody, the uh, purpose of all plays is so that we hear the voice of the chorus, which is so much better than the voice of the solo. Amen? All right. So what is Abram leaving? Home, thank you. Family, thank you. Stability, thank you. What he knows. Jenny, boom, boom, mic drop. All those things are true. Home, family, stability, what he knows. What else? His land. What was land in this time to people? Say wealth, power, livelihood, birthright. It was your future. I mean, you lived, you were born, lived, and died on the same piece of land. That that was true for most of human history. And it was true for Abram. So he leaves Haran. He leaves everything he knows. And God says, lech laha, and then I will. And there's a series of I wills that God says to Abram. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Interesting. Tie it back to the Tower of of Babel. So that you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. I will bless the world through you. And so God's little speech to Abram requires that he embrace newness. It requires that he go where he's never been before, to leave every familiar piece of landscape and reference point that he knows. In this speech, biblical faith is set up and defined. It's set up as a dynamic gift yet to be given, a promise yet to be kept, and a word yet to be enacted. The gift is God's promise kept in God's power. Now, what, how, how do we like to be talked to by God? And how do we like to receive from God? That's an all-play question. Say it. Now. Neon lights. Neon lights, yes. Certainty. When it's safe. When it's secure. I've said it before, and I've done this so many times. Like, I will go when I feel peace. Right? Or you pray, you know, you pray with someone, hey, how would you know? I would know when I feel peace about it. 
Now, there is a reality to that, that that's true. You can't just you know, set off with absolutely no plans or no thoughts or no prayers. But, if, but I think most of us, what we mean by peace is absence of fear, absence of risk, and that's the biggest one, and, you know, kind of a pretty good map for where I'm going to get and, and where I'm going to go, right? Abram gets none of these. And so I think he sets out when God says go, and he says, I'm setting out, and I'm just believing that God is going to keep God's promise. That's the only reason I'm going, because I believe God, the promise maker, will be a promise keeper. And there's lots of risk, and there's lots of uncertainty, and there's lots of fear. So in essence, this is in the Lent uh, lectionary readings, I think because Abram is sent into his own wilderness. Now, here's an all-play question. How do you know you're in the wilderness? You're scared. Okay, God's speaking to you, and that's this rich, the, the word for wilderness is uh, from the word deber, which means to speak in Hebrew. So typically the wilderness is the place where you hear God speak. But when is God gonna speak? Is God gonna speak on day four always? Like here comes day four. God's gonna speak on day four. Last week, Jesus went into the wilderness. And here's the delicious question that we can't answer but do you think he knew it was going to be 40 days? Or what if he just went into the wilderness going, Whew, I sincerely hope this isn't too long because I'm very hungry and I'm being tempted by the Satan. And if he really knew like every single thing that was going to happen to him before it happened, then what wouldn't it be? The wilderness. <laughs> he wouldn't be in the wilderness if he knew exactly when he was going to get out, how he was going to get out, how he was... So how do you know you're in the wilderness? When you're lost. So like, you know, maybe some of us have been up to the Boundary Waters. Anyone been up to the Boundary Waters? Like, dude, I portaged in. You don't understand. I portaged in. I packed in. I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> but I knew on Tuesday I was going to leave. Right? So that's kind of the wilderness, but it's really not the biblical wilderness. You're in the wilderness when you don't know when you're going to get out, when you don't know how long you're going to be there, and you know where you're going, you're coming from, but you don't know where you're going to end up. And that's where Abram is. So, has anyone ever been in the wilderness before? Absolutely. Most of us have. Might not be a physical wilderness, but it's absolutely a state of emotional wilderness. So, as it relates to leaving, I want to make some observations. Um, and I want you to like, just check in your heart to see if they're true or false. There is a kind of leaving, there's a kind of leaving that's really just a disguised form of staying. You ever been there? You, you, you go, but you really have stayed. Know what I mean? It's a new relationship, but you haven't done any emotional work, so you're just doing the same relationship over again with someone else. 
You left that job because they were horrible to you, and you did another job, but you didn't do any of your own work. So the next job, they were just as horrible to you in the same exact ways, those jerks. And so there's a kind of leaving that's really a disguised form of staying. There's also a staying that's really leaving. I'm not going anywhere, but you don't have any access to my heart. I'm not going anywhere, but don't ask me to change. See what I mean? So Abram goes. And it says in the scriptures, he goes without hesitation. I find that so hard to believe, don't you? He just goes. That's the one part of the story I go, come on. Like, let me see the guy's journal, you know? And so when it said without hesitation in the Hebrew, did that really mean like after a year of wondering and fighting back and forth between God? I don't know what it means. It says he goes. He trusts immediately and completely. So let's talk about faith for a second. According to this story, and according to the story of Jesus, faith is the capacity to risk what you already have for what is yet to be given. Faith is the capacity to risk what you already have in your hands for what's yet to be given. I find it fascinating that, remember the God God, who later on, when Moses asked God, what is your name? And God says, I will be what I will be. (laughs) I'm a verb, so don't try to pin me down. That is the language God uses when when it comes to this Abram. I will, future tense, make of you a great nation. I will, future tense, bless you. I will, future tense, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will, future tense, bless those who bless you. And I will, future tense, curse those who curse you. I will bless the world through you, but you have to leave before any of that's gonna come true. And to that, that preaches so well, but living it, is a kind of hell, isn't it? Abram is invited to live in hope, to wait for fulfillment, to trust the promise maker, to be a promise keeper. Because this promise is designed in Abram's life so that he will become, he and his descendants will become God's people who will receive blessing from God so that they can give blessing to the whole world. And in a world filled with tribalism back then, not now, but back then, tribalism, fear, boundaries, hate, exclusion, and war, God says, I'm gonna choose a nobody whose name is nothing to build a community that blesses the world. But in order for that to come true, you will have to wait. So Abram is member 75 when he and his wife Sarai set out. How long does it take him to have kids? (laughs) And what is the journey to having kids for them? 
I mean, there's some administrating of the promise that happens, isn't there, if you remember the story? Sarai gets tired of waiting. Aram gets tired of waiting. So they choose a mistress named Hagar. And Abram takes her as his wife, and they have a child, and his name is Ishmael. And then Hagar gets thrown out into the wilderness where she experiences God and hears from God. It's interesting that the first person that we hear that God speaks to in in the wilderness is a female Egyptian refugee. (laughs) So put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) In the Bible. First person to hear from God in the wilderness, Egyptian woman refugee. So what is faith? Romans 4, 1 through 5. Also, um, Romans 4, 1 through 5 says from the message, so how do we fit what we know of Abraham, our first father in the faith, into this new way of looking at things? If Abraham, by what he did for God, got God to approve him, he could have certainly taken credit for it. But the story we're given is a God story, not an Abraham story. Remember, to make our names great, What we read in scripture is this, Abraham entered into what God was doing for him and that was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right instead of trying to be right on his own. If you're a hard worker and do a good job, you deserve your pay. We don't call your wages a gift. You worked for them. But if you see that the job is too big for you, that it's something only God can do and if you trust God to do it, you could never do it for yourself, no matter how hard and long you worked. Well, trusting, well, that trusting God to do it is what gets you set right with God, by God. It's a sheer gift. And that's the definition of faith. Risking what you already have for what you don't have yet. Knowing that you cannot earn it. You can't work hard for it. You have to receive it. And Lent is the journey that we understand that that's true. Lent's the journey between leaving and receiving. (laughs) I can't believe I rhymed those two things. That's so cheesy. But maybe you'll remember it. Lent is the journey between leaving and receiving. It's the journey of living in hope, waiting for fulfillment, and trusting the promise maker to be a promise keeper. Richard Rohr says this about Lent, it's liminal space. The word liminal comes from the Latin word limen, meaning threshold, any point or place of entering or beginning. A liminal space is the time between the what was and the what will be. It's a place of transition, of waiting and not knowing. Liminal space is where all transformation takes place. Liminal space is where all transformation takes place if we learn to wait and let it form us. Richard Rohr also says, after the age of 30, success has absolutely nothing to teach you. I mean, that's awesome, right? Like, oh, what have I been working so hard for then, right? After the age of 30, Richard Rohr says, success has absolutely nothing to teach you. It feels good, and it's not bad. It's just not where the school of transformation happens. So don't say what it is. I'm not asking for that. 
But if you're in some form of liminal space right now, you've left one thing and you've yet to receive the next thing, just go ahead and raise your hand. Some form of liminal space. And then I want you to look around. Please look and keep, keep them up, please. Look around, folks. You're not alone. This journey of leaving in order to obtain something in the future is not for the faint of heart, amen? It's why we need a community of faith. You cannot do it on your own. It wasn't designed for you to do it on your own. It was designed for you to cry your way through it, to mourn your way through it, to grieve your way through it, and then to see God be faithful in God's promises. More from Richard Rohr. Liminal space is where we are betwixt, love that word, and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone our world is left behind while we are not yet sure of the new existence. That's a good space where genuine newness can begin. And then he says, get there often and stay as long as you can by whatever means possible. <laughs> this is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart and a bigger world is revealed. If we don't encounter liminal space in our lives, we start idealizing normalcy. The threshold is God's waiting room. Here we are taught openness and patience as we come to expect an appointment with the divine doctor. Can I get an amen? Gang, this is the faith of our forefathers and mothers. It's not primarily figuring out a way to get to heaven when you die. It is the journey from what you know to what you don't know so that you can be a blessing to the world. And that's what God was doing. That's what God is doing. And that's what God will continue to do. So the question is, will you have faith? Will you have the capacity to risk what you already have for what is yet to be given? And I would say don't answer that question too quickly. I know some people right now that are contemplating a move. They're gathering a group of friends that they love to discern it with them because it's too big to like just decide on their own. I think that's the definition of faith. That's wisdom. Like, oh my goodness, this is too big. You know, because like, if it, okay, if you're married... And if you're contemplating a big move like this, I almost guarantee you, one of you is pushing to do the thing too soon and the other one is pulling to never do the thing at all. <laughs> so the two will just be like, bang, 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 until one person gives up and bah, buried. The other person's like, yes, we heard from God. <laughs> Yeah, there is a, yeah. What would it be like to experience the blessing of God through the community of God in a process of wise hearing from God? Admitting that you don't know what you need to know. I don't know. 
Who else can help us here? Will you have faith? Will you live in hope as you wait? You know, Lent is a time of hope, actually. Because you start to, uh, yes, that's amazing right there. Hi, Rajan. Ringtone? Um, Game. All right. Ivor. I'm going to say it's Ivor, Rajan. (laughs) 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 But just to make sure, what was I just saying? No, I'm kidding. kidding, kidding. No, kidding. (laughs) If you're new at Genesis, welcome to Genesis. I mean... Like, there, there's, there's a very thin veil between, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, will you choose to be the beneficiary of the promise instead of the administrator of the promise? If you have to be the administrator of the promise, then you're going to do what Abram and Sarai did. They're going to use a Hagar. You're going to do that whole thing. You probably already have. So just like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've totally done that. Um. But then there's always a turning. There's a returning back to God to saying, God, okay, I've, 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 used, I've administrated the, uh, the promise. I've done it on my own. Now I want to return to you. I want, I want to return to the faithfulness of the call. And I want, to re- I want to remember that you are the one who keeps your promises. Right, and that's where we're headed for e- in, in Easter where we really understand the, the promise kept. Amen? That's where we go. We're not there yet. We have to do five more weeks of Lent. So we're going to move into a time of silence, after which time I'll read through the call and response prayer, and then Steph will come up and lead us through the Eucharist. But um, as we go into silence, maybe an invitation for you would be just in the next 60 seconds to reflect on this question. When was the last time you noticed God's love for you? When was the last time you noticed God's love for you? So let's pray. 60 seconds of silence, and then we'll pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us now.